All right, guys, welcome back to the study of Leviticus, Leviticus 19. And yes, you made it through another day of Moses' writings about how the Israelites are supposed to live. Now, some of it's pretty detailed and pretty graphic. We were talking about this list that we wrote about yesterday about who you can and cannot have sexual relations with. And man, it's really interesting. But the whole goal, you guys, is that God has set the Israelites apart. He has set this nation apart as a special treasure, a holy nation, a chosen priesthood. And so, that Kevin, can you go to Leviticus 20, verse 26? Really what you have is in Leviticus 20, verse 26, you have the, the heart of all of Leviticus in so many in so many regards because he's saying, you are to be holy to me because I, the Lord, am holy and I have set you apart from the nations to be mine. And really how this holiness takes place is it's through the atonement. This is the nation that has been asked to give up and sacrifice uh, so that they can be forgiven. And so he says, you're to be holy to me because I, the Lord, am holy. I have set you apart from the nations to be mine. And so what we're going to look at in Le- uh, Leviticus 19 is how does this nation continue to walk out in holiness? So I'm basically going to give you, you know, like if you're leaving your your kitchen uh, right now and you're on your way to class and your mom says, hey, don't forget your list. Or you're the husband and you get home and you see this honey to do list. This is a honey to do list. This is a list in order to experience holiness on a daily basis. And so it says in verse 1 of Leviticus 19, the Lord spoke to Moses. Verse 2, Scripture says, Speak to the entire Israelite community and tell them. So in other words, I want to make sure everybody understands. Remember, we have the tabernacle now. We've got things in motion, ways to sacrifice, ways to bring forth an offering. But this message is not just for the Levitical priests. This isn't just for Aaron and his sons. This is for the entire Israelite community. And I want you to tell all of them, Be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. And so he says in verse 3, here's where he begins to unfold this, this list, okay? So number one is please, and every once in a while, I think it's okay to say amen if you're watching online, because if you're a parent, you would love this. You want your kids to respect you. So number one is respect parents. Each of you is to respect his mother and father. We know that, and Kevin, if you would, Exodus 20, verse 12, this comes straight out of uh, the fifth commandment. Scripture says, honor your father and your mother so that you may have a long life in the land that your Yahweh, your God, is giving you. So when you respect your parents, Scripture says, so that you can have a long life. So the Lord always is tying these things in. But at the same time, he also says in verse 3 of Leviticus 19, you are to keep my Sabbaths. And so one of the other lists is keeping Sabbaths. Okay, we know that that is the fourth command. Kevin, if you go to Exodus 20, verse 8. Exodus 20, verse 8. Scripture says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Just so you know, that means you do no work. I mean, in the context of the Jewish culture, uh, even here in the Dallas community, we have a prominent Jewish culture. There are, there are neighbors that go to our church, okay, that they're neighbors to Jewish people. They will come knock on the door and say, could you come over and turn my oven on? Could you come in and put something in my oven? Could you come on? And and they walk through this because you are not allowed to do any form of work on Sabbath. So respect your parents. This is your your to-do list, right? Respect your parents and keep Sabbath. Now, remember, it says at the very end of this verse in Leviticus 19, both 2 and 3, I, Yahweh, right, am your God. I am Yahweh, your God. I am the Lord, your God. And what you're going to see is, is that over and over, every time we see one of these to-dos, Why? Why do we have to do this? Because he says, I am the standard. 
I am establishing this and therefore I need you to do this. If I am holy, I want you to keep the Sabbath. If I am holy, I want you to respect your mother and your father. I want you to be holy as I am holy. And he just continues to walk through this checklist literally in verse 4. He says, do not turn to idols or make cast images of gods for yourselves. And then here it is again. Why? Because I am the Lord your God. So number three on your to-do list. And Kevin, there's going to be 14 of them. How many, Kevin? 14. 14. All right. We're on number three. And I'm just going to tell you now, by the end of the time, if you remember all 10, all 12, you're doing good. Can you imagine 600 and how many, Kevin? 13. Did he get it, Rich? He got it. 613 laws, man. Kevin, you, you, you fought it out. I saw it. Uh, number three is, is forsaking idols. Okay, so don't turn to idols. Don't make cast images. Now, we got to go back to this. Why? Because this was in part of their, their DNA. This was what they knew. Remember when Moses <laughs> was disappeared? And Aaron all of a sudden said, hey, what should we do? Oh, yeah, let's make a golden calf. Because that's what they would... Uh, go back to. And so, Kevin, you had pulled this up already uh, as far as in Exodus 20. Uh, don't make an idol for yourself, whether in the shape of anything in the heavens above or on the earth below or in the waters under the earth. I love that. In other words, if you're swimming, <laughs> if you're exercising, or if you're flying, please no idols anywhere, okay? And so, respect your parents, keep Sabbaths, forsaking idols. In verse 5, when you offer a fellowship sacrifice to the Lord, sacrifice it so that it may be accepted. Now, here's how I want you to sacrifice. It's to be eaten on the day. You guys remember we talked about this multiple times. It's to be eaten on the day uh, or on the next day. It's okay if you heat it up for leftovers tomorrow. But on the third day, don't heat up the pizza. That's the mentality. If you heat it up, the microwave will burn it up. It will not be good. Why? Because this is all in line with how people were supposed to do a fellowship offering, how they're supposed to do a peace offering. You know, there's different ways you can do the, the, the peace offerings, okay? You have the thank you offerings, the votive offerings, and the free will offerings, okay? All of these, okay, are under the fellowship offerings or the peace offerings. Now, just to give you an idea, really what this looks like, okay, is that God in the, in the fellowship offerings, he's supposed to get the fatty portions. The priest He's supposed to get the, the breast, remember? And then he waves it. And then the priest also takes the right thigh and then he's supposed to heave it. Remember, Kevin? Yeah, it's the heave offering. You have the wave and the heave offering. And then the offer, um, he actually gets to eat as well. He actually gets to participate in this. And so in this, please make sure you adhere to the way you do things. And, and I love this because he just continues to send us reminders. Okay, so in all of this, let's keep going, Kevin. Uh, actually, if you would go to verse nine, when you reap the harvest, okay, I will say this in verse eight, just so you know, if you eat on the third day, the scripture says, uh, it becomes repulsive. It won't be accepted. You'll bear the punishment. And he has profaned what is holy to the Lord. You're going against the guardrails of how I set and establish you to do a fellowship offering, how you to do a, a peace offering, a peace sacrifice. So again, it's this laundry list and you think, gosh, this is a lot to follow. It is. But again, they didn't have this in place. So you have two million people wandering around the wilderness. Hey, what should we do? Well, let's put some things in place just in case they get bored. Now it says in verse 9, this is kind of fun. When you reap the harvest of your land, you're not to reap to the very edge of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Scripture continues on. You must not strip your vineyard bare or gather its fallen grapes. Leave them for the poor and the foreign resident. I am the Lord your God. So whenever you hear, I am the Lord your God, you know that you just wrapped up a daily standard. 
Okay, you know that's your little that's your period that says, hey, what 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 should we learn? Well, very simply, is number four is that in this process you should have a concern for the poor. So instead of being stingy, instead of being a tightwad and saying, oh, I got to go get everything from my field, Kevin, if you would go back to verse nine, what the scripture says is, no, let it go. Let the things go out on your field. Why? So that in verse 10, so the poor and the foreign resident can experience some of the leftovers. Don't worry about getting every single little thing. This had to be kind of a strange concept because they're wandering around in the wilderness at this point. Mm -hmm. We don't have any fields. We don't have any vineyards. But it's coming. It's coming. So this is a foretelling of what's to come. Hey, hey, have you seen a vineyard? (laughs) That's a great point, Kevin. And in fact, we'll learn, right, in Ruth, uh, chapter 2, 8 through 23, that's what the people got to experience in that time. They lived off of, right, the belongings in in the fields. So, Kevin, man, that's a great point. I love that perspective. So, okay, so we have respecting your parents, keeping Sabbath, forsaking idols, concern for the poor. Now, watch what it does in verse 11. Okay, Scripture continues to say, I am the standard, right? You must not steal. You must not act deceptively or lie to one another. You must not swear falsely by my uh, by name profaming the name of your God, I am Yahweh. Okay, just to keep going here real quick. You must not oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages due a hired hand must not remain with you until morning. This is kind of a long one on a daily standard. But what I love here is what Wearsby... um, Actually, you know what? Yeah, go to old Warren Wearsby, our buddy back here, right, you guys? Uh, Honesty and integrity... And then even in regards to business, okay? So, and again, what does it say? Why? Because I am Yahweh. You don't want to be the guy that's cheating your neighbor. You don't want to be cheating the, the, the hired hand because you didn't pay him enough. You know, you don't want to be these people that are doing this. In fact, Kevin, can you go to James 5, verse 4? Scripture says, look, the pay that you withheld from the workers who reaped your fields cries out, and the outcry of the harvesters has reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. <laughs> you know what that means? I wouldn't cheat anybody. I would be willing to bless people more than than cheat them. So here's what you have. You have the standard, the daily standard that he's telling us. And then you really have his standard. So we do this uh, in order to do the daily standard. Okay. Scripture also says in Matthew 20, verse 1, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner, right? Who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. In verse 2, after agreeing with the workers on one denarius for the day, he sent them into his field. And they keep going. This is interesting, right? Then you know the process, what happens. He starts paying people. They join later, but he keeps paying them the same amount. And the scripture just says, when you, uh, just make sure as you're doing these work, do it with honesty and integrity. Here's how I've always viewed this at Time Revive. If there's even a shadow of doubt, should I or should I not do this with finances? Should I pay this person or should I not pay this person? You always go above and beyond what you can. You don't want to be the guy that's always shortchanging people. And so I, I love this. This isn't, wouldn't that be cool if we were known as an, uh, a person of integrity, not the guy who's shortchanging people? And that's what I love, a daily standard. Why do we need to be honest? Why do we need to be people of integrity? Because it's his standard. And you could say, well, this sounds really simple, but it goes back to the Egyptians. Who knows what they experienced? Who knows what they saw? They could have seen all things that maybe we didn't know. Leviticus 19, verse 14, you must not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind, but you are to fear your God. And here he goes again. I am Yahweh. 
So his standard says, okay, now I've given you a daily standard. I've given you a daily principle. And the daily principle, it's, it's actually kind of obvious, but it is protection of the physically challenged. Protection of the physically challenged. You see somebody that can't defend themselves, I would hope you would stand in and say, hey, I, I'm going to help. Scripture says you need to come in and protect the physically challenged. I think it's a pretty straightforward, but uh, that's not always easy, actually. It's an interesting concept. All right, let's keep going to verse 15. Uh, it says, You must not act unjustly when deciding a case. Do not be partial to the poor or give preference to the rich. Just judge your neighbor fairly. I actually processed preaching this entire message based on this verse. Uh, if you don't come to the table with a certain name and you don't come to the table uh, with certain credentials or you don't come to the table with a certain amount of finances... If you're not careful, you, uh, uh, well, not on your end, but like you can get judged. People will label you based on what you wear. If I wear this sweater vest and this collar that is rubbing against my beard right now, right? Aside from my beard, I might look a little homeless. But because of this outfit, this is a true statement, somebody will respect me differently when I walk into a certain part of the city than if I was to wear a t-shirt and, and jeans. Would you guys agree? Agreed. And what I, what I love about this is, is that you, you can't judge based on how much money they have. You can't judge somebody based on, on, how they, on how they look. But the church even does that. Crazy enough, Tom, you and I just talked about this yesterday. This has happened to me even just this last week in regards to certain events of us coming or not coming to certain things based on a name. I just want to say to the church, we got to be different than the world. We can't play political games just because we like our little club and we don't want to let somebody else in. And so he says one of your principles, okay, is to judge justice and truth in speech. Okay, so th there needs to be justice and truth in our speech. So let, let's be honest. Let's be just on what we're seeing and what we are uh, experiencing. In fact, this is, I'm, I jumped ahead though. This is still going to uh, number six, actually. I'm sorry. That one just went for verse 15. Does that make sense? Verse 15 is still the protection of the physically challenged. Still want to get into that. But now in uh, Kevin, verse 16, justice and truth in speech goes to verse 16. You must not go about spreading slander among your people. You must not jeopardize your neighbor's life. I am Yahweh. Shoot, man, I got ahead of myself. You guys, are you still with me on that? That makes sense? So the protection is going to go back to the poor and, and make sure you're not judged there. But now in, in number seven, the justice and truth in speech applies to don't go around spreading slander among your people. Don't just start making things up. Don't start talking bad about these people. Uh, why? Because the standard is I, I am Yahweh. You must not harbor hatred in verse 17 uh, against your brother. Rebuke your neighbor directly and you will not incur guilt because of him. Justice and truth in speech. I'll tell you, this is probably the hardest for any of us, I would say. This to me is, if you go back to verse 16, it's not that you want to spread slander, but if something happens to you in your life and you just want to talk to your friends, naturally, we're just going to talk. The intent isn't to slander the person. You just, it's really not. You just, you want to have a dialogue, but if you're not careful, that will lead to slander. And so I think that's what scripture is saying. Please, please don't go to that, that extreme. Otherwise, you're no different than the Egyptians. Otherwise, you're no different than, than the nation and the country that you just came from. So justice and truth must be integral in your speech. Okay, these are your daily standards. Okay, number 18. Okay, there's a lot here. Do not take revenge 
or bear a grudge against members of your community, but love your neighbor as yourself. (laughs) It's a pretty cool one. I am Yahweh. Did you guys know that this verse right here is the most quoted Old Testament text in the New Testament? Here's why it's quoted. But love your neighbor as yourself. And then the standard is, is why? Because I am the Lord. And so obviously, one of your standards is loving one's neighbor as oneself. Man, there's so much here. Uh, I will tell you this. Vengeance doesn't belong to us. Don't take revenge out on somebody. You let the Lord do that. In fact, Deuteronomy 32, verse 35. You know, I think so many times we want to just naturally go after this person or naturally, you know, say something to this person. But Deuteronomy 32, 35 says, Vengeance belongs to, to me. I will repay. In time, their foot will slip. <laughs> For their day of disaster is near and their doom is coming quickly. Just, just give it time. They'll mess up. <laughs> just give it time. The Lord has it and he'll repay everything that they brought upon you. The Lord says, let me take care of the vengeance, not you. You love your neighbor as you love yourself. And that's really all it unfolds. And man, it's kind of like, where do you start in quoting the, in the New Testament? Because it's the most quoted Old Testament text in the New Testament. So let's just start in Matthew 22, verse 37. Matthew 22, verse 37. He said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. It continues on in verse 38. This is the greatest and most important commandment. Verse 39, the second is love your neighbor as yourself. Keep going to verse 40. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. So the point is, is you love him so that you love others. In verse 19, Kevin, if you would, you are to keep my statutes. You must not crossbreed two different kinds of your livestock. Sow your fields with two kinds of seed or put on a garment made of two kinds of material. Why? Because Deuteronomy 7, verse 3, do not intermarry with them. Do not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons. Now watch in verse 4. Because they will turn your sons away from me to worship other gods. When you begin to blend these worlds, their focus becomes not on me, but on who they used to be. Then the Lord's anger will burn against you and he will, here it is, he will swiftly destroy you. Well, that's a humdinger. So why not blend worlds? Because he's afraid you're going to go back to your old way of doing things. Pretty wild, pretty, pretty radical, but that's how the scripture continues to unfold. And then in verses 20 through 22, in case you, in case you didn't get enough in Leviticus 18, we just thought we'd cover a little bit more about who you cannot have sex with, okay? And who you can have sex with. But in 20 through uh, 21 and 22, it's talking about if a man has sexual intercourse with a woman who is a slave designated for another man, then he begins to walk through the process about how does he repay him, what is the punishment, and so on. So I just just want to make sure you just didn't overlook that little passage there. Verse 23. Really, 23 through 25, this is a really cool standard to me. It's really more of a mindset. And I I wrote down here a five-year fruit tree. Okay, you're kind of like, well, that's a weird standard. Yeah, it's it's more of a thought behind this. When you come into the land and plant any kind of tree for food, you're to consider the fruit forbidden. Why? It will be forbidden to you for three years. It is not to be eaten. Interesting about this this mindset. Some some commentators say it's going to take three years in order to not uh, in order to overcome the uncleanliness. 
Okay, it's a thought. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying for the first three years, they need to get through this whole process of getting rid of uncleanness. Okay, now watch in verse 24 again. It's a different perspective. In the fourth year, though, all of its fruit must be consecrated as a praise offering to the Lord. This is, I want you to bring on the fourth year, the first fruits to me. It's pretty awesome. First fruit. So on the fourth year, I don't want you to eat anything. I just want you to offer it to me as a praise offering. So first three years, you wait on it. Fourth year, you offer a praise to me based on the first fruits. And then in the fifth year, you may eat its fruit. In this way, its yield will increase for you. I am the Lord, your God. You know what this says to me on as a standard? And I've really asked the Lord about this. I've asked the Lord, like, what does this mean in my life? Like, if this was your perspective of me, you want to know what I feel like? The Lord just says, because I'm patient with you. Because I'm not seeing fruit in your life right away, but I know it's okay. Like, I understand this process that you have to go through, uh, that you've committed your life to me, but it doesn't mean I'm going to look exactly like him. It doesn't mean I'm going to be holy right, like, like him in that very first year that I plant the tree. Does that make sense? The second that that seed is there, I still have to work through things. I have to work out my salvation to, to, to look like him. Now you could say, well, wait, are you saying workspace? I'm not. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that seed's been planted in Christ. Praise the Lord. But I am saying over the course of time, maturity takes place. That's when you begin to look more like him. And so I feel like this is a picture of my life. And so all I'm saying is in this daily standard, have the five-year fruit tree perspective. Have this perspective that God's working in my life. He's the standard. I want to get to that point, but it's going to take time. But as it takes time, I got to remember to, to praise him in all that he's doing. And as I praise him, the fruit is going to come. It's kind of a fun perspective, and it's probably my favorite, honestly, out of the daily standards. Verse 26, it says, you're not to eat anything with, it, with blood in it. We know that because there's life in the blood in Leviticus 17, 11. You're not to practice divination or sorcery. I don't want you to deal with, you know, the fortune telling. I don't want you to deal with the, the witchcraft. I don't want you to deal with any of these, the demonic activities is what he's saying. Verse 27, you're not to cut off the hair. Man, I was praying about this. Is this a sign from you, Lord? You're not to cut off the hair at the sides of your head or mar the edge of your beard. The daily standard here as well is, is that you are in verse 28, okay, you are to not to make gashes on your bodies for the dead or put tattoo marks on yourselves. I am the Lord. <laughs> Whoa. Wait a minute. No tattoos? Hmm. Hmm. Some of you are like, look, man, I don't have anything against it. All I'm going to read is what it says, okay? And what he's talking about in this context is... He wants us to have dignified mourning. These at this point right here were signs of, at times, uh, unethical ways to mourn. This is what the Egyptian cultures did, is that they turned to doing these things. In fact, Kevin, can you go to Isaiah 22, verse 12? Isaiah 22, verse 12. Instead of turning to the Lord, crying out to the Lord in mourning, you put gashes on your bodies. On the day the Lord God of hosts called for weeping, for wailing, for shaving heads, and for the wearing of sackcloth. Okay? Uh, hang on, let's keep going here. I want to come back to this, Kevin. Go to, let's go to Jeremiah 16, 6. It's all going to keep going to the same thing. It's going to talk about good morning here. Like, not like good morning. You get my point. Jeremiah 16, verse 6. Both great and small will die in this land without burial. No lament will be made for them, nor will anyone cut himself or shave his head for them. One more, Jeremiah 47, verse 5. Okay, it's a form of dishonoring God. They're turning away from him Jeremiah uh, 47, verse 5, Baldness is coming to Gaza. Ashkelon will become silent. A remnant of their valley. How long will you gash yourself? And so this mentality is, is like these are things that are not appropriate ways to mourn. 
That's really all it kind of comes down to. And so am I against tattoos right now? Jesus actually had one in Revelation. Okay, if you find it, go ahead, just send us an email. Let us know. Put it on the post. Jesus had something written down. Am I right, Rich? Yeah. I'm not going to say it. I kind of want to just, wait, what? Jesus had a tattoo? Just check it out in the book of Revelation and you just see, see if you would approve. But in the Old Testament context, cutting or tattoos were inappropriate way of dignified mourning. Verse 29, do not debase your daughter by making her a prostitute or the land will be prostituted and filled with depravity. Wow, we are going to run out of time here. Okay, I'm going to keep going here and I'm just going to list them. Forsaking magic. I don't want you to, I want you to forsake magic and witchcraft. Okay. Uh, the reason that this one is different is they're calling on the dead in this context, okay, in verse 31. In verse 32, uh, this is a great one, respect for elderly. Why do we need to show respect to the elderly? Because the Lord says, I am Yahweh. I am the standard. I expect you to show respect to your elders and honor the old. And I tell you, as, as the generations continue, we, we forget this, to be honest. It's a culture of honor. We need to understand that He is the Lord. And then finally... Uh, did I, how did I say I was going to have 14 and I only have 12? <laughs> well, that's all right. We'll just write the last one down here. I probably wrote them down wrong. Uh, loving treatment of aliens. In verse 34, it says, you must regard the foreigner who lives with you as a native born among you. You are to love him as yourself, for you are foreigners in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Now, this is a really sticky one in the United States. What do you do with the illegal immigrants? What do you do with those that came in illegally? Well, Scripture does say you're supposed to love them. I'm not going to get into kicking them out, keeping them in. I'm just telling you, if they're in front of your face and they're a neighbor, you love them. That's a fair statement. That's pretty much, I think, a safe way to say just love on them. Why? Because eventually your grandparents or your great-grandparents or some of your family members, some of them at one point was a foreigner here in the United States before you were. And that's what he's saying to the Israelites. At one point, remember, you were a foreigner just like uh, that these people are in your nation. So these are the standards. Why are we going through these standards? I believe we're going through these standards because this is how he wants us to live. This is how God wants us to live. But even more so, guess what? Jesus wants us to live like this. Kevin, can you go to Matthew 5, verse 17? Matthew 5, verse 17, it just says this. Now remember, don't assume that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. I didn't come to take away these daily standards. I didn't come to wipe out forsaking idols. I didn't come to wipe out concerning for the poor. I didn't come to wipe out, oh, by the way, I want you to have justice and truth in your speech. Oh, by the way, I didn't wipe out respecting your parents. Or I don't want you to take care of the elderly. Or I don't want you to mistreat the uh, the aliens. Jesus didn't say any of that. He said, I actually came to fulfill what was spoken in Leviticus 19. And so over and over and over again, at least, you guys, this is crazy, seven different times, even more probably, Jesus references Leviticus 19. Just as an example, Kevin, can you go to Matthew 5, verse 48? Matthew 5, verse 48. It's a cool picture. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now watch, in Leviticus 19, 2, here you're going to see this correlation. Leviticus 19.2 just says, I am holy, therefore I want you to be holy. And so there's this constant correlation in, in number two, Kevin. Let's just do one more just because of time. Can you go to Leviticus 19.3? 
Leviticus 19.3 says, Each of you is to respect his mother and his father. Now, Jesus, watch in Matthew 19.19. He's saying the same thing. Matthew 19.19, in his dialogue, in his interaction with the disciples, he says, Honor your father and your mother and love your neighbor as yourself. So now he's even integrating loving one's neighbor as yourself. Jesus didn't come to wipe this out. He says, I'm coming to fulfill everything that was spoken in Leviticus 19. It's a pretty powerful picture. But who would have thought just by reading Leviticus 19, you would see that Jesus, all throughout the Gospel of Matthew, is referencing Leviticus 19. We have a daily standard to live to. And it's based on His standard. And how do you know what His standard is? Well, you got to get in the Word of God. All right, guys, thanks for jumping in with Leviticus 19, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks. (laughs) 